What is up, everybody? My name is Junkyard James. This is a special edition of the Junkyard. No video, just audio. Just kind of giving my honest, first-hand take on AEW full gear. Just ended up actually recording this on the way back home from a friend's house. We all gather around to to watch these pay-per-views every month, um, or every every time there's a pay-per-view. Probably going to be every month now for AEW here soon, but on my way home, thought I would share my thoughts um, as a raw reaction. I think overall the pay-per-view was pretty good. I don't think every match hit the build leading up to the pay-per-view. I, I thought they had an, uh, I thought the pay-per-view was built to be one of the best shows of the year. I think the show overall was still very good, but when you when you put it up against uh, shows like All In and Forbidden Door, it just doesn't hit the same way. Um, I didn't watch any of the pre-show matches. I was driving to my friend's house as the pre-show was going on, um, and but I, I pulled in, walked inside at the house, right as the MJF tag match against the Guns was going on, um, and they're pulling MJF into an ambulance, and um, I guess they begin full gear at the 8 o'clock hour, announcing that basically Jay White was going to be the new AEW champion because, champion because uh, MJF was deemed unable to fight, and he's basically having to forfeit the match. Adam Cole comes out says he will fight in Max's place. I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of it at the time that it happened. And given to where we were, I, I wasn't a big fan of the decision overall to have this happen. This is one of the situations here where I feel like Tony Khan maybe tries too hard to book unpredictable things into his card. And it, it just, sometimes the build just doesn't fit. The, the, the story doesn't fit inside of where the match needs to be. Anyways, we start the show, I believe, with Sting, Adam Copeland, Darby Allen versus, I guess this group, Christian Cage's group, is going to be called the Patriarchy. Um, clever. Um, solid match. I think we all kind of knew that... Darby, Sting, and Adam Copeland were going to get the dub here. Um, opens the show, gets the crowd kind of going. I'm not a big fan of the placement of this match. I would have liked they sort of towards the middle, middle, middle end of the uh, pay per view. Um, I would have opened the the pay per view with um, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega match. Um, if, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, so we get that match, kind of get the crowd into it. Solid match. Wasn't nothing spectacular by any means. Um, 
and yeah, edge edge and then get the get the win. Um, I'm driving, so I can't I can't pull up the exact card the way that they was they went out. I think the next match was uh, Tony Storm versus Hikaru Shida for the AEW Women's Champion. And as I kind of suspected, and as we kind of, if you understand maybe where the storyline is going, if you have read any of the theories about where this is going, I think this long-term ends with Mariah May beating Tony Storm here in the long-term for the AEW Championship. Um, It's going to be fun to see where this goes though if they follow follow the theory um see what feuds tony storm gets because it's not just going to be mariah mariah may next it's going to be several other uh female wrestlers going against tony storm leading up to i probably would say all in next year is when mariah may gets her big show in her home country of england um, that's, it's probably, like I said, it's going to be a long-term thing, a long-term storytelling, I think. Um, so we got that match. I thought the match was great. Uh, Tony Storm, again, one of my favorites in, in the women's division. Uh, Hikaru Shida's great. I, I, I think I remember saying during this match, I feel bad for Shida because she got the belt for her second championship reign and then lost it basically because... They were at All In, and Soraya was going to get the win in, in London. And then she gets it back for her third reign, and then just loses it basic, basically right away. Um, and yes, her first reign was great and a long, a good long reign. I just, I'm not a big fan of just giving someone the belt to be like a, a placeholder champion. Um, I'm, I, I'm not a, just my style of wrestling is if you're going to be the champion. Let's enjoy a semi-good run. I don't like having two, three, four weeks of you being a champion and then dropping the belt again kind of seamlessly. Um, but regardless of the fact, Tony Storm is now the AEW Women's Champion. And we get to see where it goes from here. Um, I love I love the way they're building the story now. How do they build the story with Tony Storm having the AEW Women's Championship um, is coming to see here on starting Wednesday on Dynamite. Um, we continue on here. I think we can go to the um, four-way ladder match for the AEW Tag Team Championships, FTR, uh, La Faccion and Gobernable, uh, Big Bill and Ricky Starks, and then uh, Kings of the Black Throne, all having a match, and the match didn't disappoint. It was a really good ladder match. Um, one of my buddies um, mentioned, and I and I agree that we've seen ladder matches before. WWE does ladder matches all the time. Hell, AEW does ladder matches all the time. Impact Wrestling does ladder matches. Every company does ladder matches. Um, so it, it kind of gets to the point of sometimes a ladder match is just the same old formula. But AEW does a really good job of like, t- 
taking things that happen um, in whatever style of match you're putting together, whether it be the Texas death match or, or a ladder match or whatnot, and just tries to put new elements into it so that while the formula is kind of the same, the elements inside are different. It makes it feel unique. It makes the match pop. There were several moments in this match as Brody King took a beating with some of these ladders. Um, and at the end of the day, Ricky Starks grabs the belts from the ladder, retains the belt. I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked with this move. Um, if you remember on my uh, last episode of the podcast, I made my quick prediction. I thought I uh, how uh, Kings of the Black Throne, Buddy, Ma- uh, not Buddy, uh, Malachi Black and Brody King. I thought they would get the W. Um, I still think they should have won. I think they'd be great tag champions, especially leading into the winter and on into the spring. Um, give them a good long run. But regardless, Ricky Starks and Big Bill retain. They keep the belts. They're still your tag team champions. It's just kind of weird that they got the, they retain the belts because, uh, to be honest, they're not on TV all that much. You kind of forget that they're even there. It's a makeshift tag team. I'll I'll give WWE shit for putting tag teams together, especially in the women's tag team division, and I'll give AEW shit here. I'm not a big fan of this makeshift tag team. And I get there's a little bit of story behind it with when Ricky Starks was quote-unquote suspended. He was kind of the manager there for Big Bill for a minute. I'm just not a fan of this tag team. Um, I'd like actual tag teams to hold the tag team championships. That's just my opinion on it. Um, I really felt like Kings of the Black Throne should have won. Or like Lefaxion and Goblinable. Drillistico and Roosh and even Preston Vance. Um, I just love that group. I want to see them more down the stretch here coming into 2024. Um, but anyways, yeah, tag team champions retain, keep the belts. We'll see where they go from there. Um, and then we move into, and I think I got the order of some of these matches wrong, but maybe not. Let's go to the triple threat for the TBS title. Chris Statlander puts her belt on the line against Sky Blue and Julia Hart. I thought this was a really good match. Um, Julia Hart, uh, and we mentioned this in my friend group, when she started as like the cheerleader with Brian Pillman and Griff Garrison, I thought she was going to be out of the company in a year or so. She did not have the it factor to me at that point. What Malachi Black, what Brody King have done by giving her this gimmick, by helping her, coaching her, teaching her how to use her expression. Julia Hart, we knew she's an athlete. She is a gymnast. We knew she had the ability to to do it. It was just putting it all together and it, it it's finding the right gimmick, finding the right character for for her, and this is the right character for her. It's dark, it's spooky. A uh, sky blue. We're like halfway to a heel turn. Um, and I wonder when it happens. Um, I don't know what happened. And then Chris Statlander is just, everybody loves Chris Statlander. Um, 
I was actually kind of shocked to see that she's still kind of mentioned as part of um, the best friends group uh, with Orange Cassidy, Trent, and Chucky. Um, I didn't know that she was still a part of that. Um, I learned that the other day. But anyway, Chris Atlander puts her title on the line. Really good match. I kind of liked the ending. Um, it went. There was one thing. Let's go back just a minute. Talking about ending of matches. I, I hated the ending of the Tony Storm match because she put like that metal pan in her back pocket because she does the the hip toss or whatever they call it where she throws her big ass in the face of the her opponent in the corner and that's, anyway she put like that metal plate there and it wasn't hidden her shorts were so short that the metal plate was was not hidden. Um, it didn't look like she was, you know, trying to conceal it. And I think even at one point, she realized that the metal plate was falling out of her pants, out of off of her ass, and she kind of had to stop and readjust herself for a minute uh, before hitting the move ending the match. I was not a big fan of the ending. I'm happy with Tony Storm taking the belt over Hikaru Shida. was not a fan of the ending of that match. But anyway, back to the triple threat match for the TBS Championship. I kind of like the ending of this match. Sky Blue about to win the belt, pinning Chris Statlander, and Julia Hart throws herself towards Sky Blue, pins Statlander mean, makes me think at some point the next feud is going to be Julia Hart, her first defense against Sky Blue. Um, and I am excited for that match. Um, and it, it, you, like, you keep Sky Blue kind of in this tweener phase, and I like it. I like the tweener phase of Sky Blue. Because... She can play the baby face when needed. She can play the heel when needed. Um, I don't think there's any necessity to like fully en- envelop her as a baby face or a fully envelop her as a heel. She kind of has this dark, spooky side um, because she got misted by Julia Hart. Um, but it's interesting to see what happens going forward in the women's division. I definitely think the women's division is going in the positive direction. And this might be the first time I've been able to say that since the existence of the AEW women's division. It seems like all the time I talk about the women's division, it's always, they need to do this better, they need to do this better. If Tony Khan can just build on what he has... This women's division maybe can show a little bit of, of progress. I'm excited to see the progress for the women's division. Um, big women's wrestling guy. And I, I love to see women's wrestling doing well. I love that Julia Hart got the win here. I always have said, and this has gone back to when Jade Cargill held the belt, that the TBS title needs to be a title for up-and-coming wrestlers, up-and-coming women, to, to have the belt to see if they can handle the pressure of being a champion. Because a lot of times there's people that you kind of run into this, like WWE ran into this when Liv Morgan won the WWE title her first time, that she, the run-up to the title 
they got the fans behind them, but then they win the championship, and then they do nothing special with it, and the run is kind of boring, and then the fans turn on you. You use this TBS title as a way to see, like, can Julia Hart be an AEW world champion one day? Well, let's see how she does with the TBS championship. I love it. Give her the belt. Let her see what she can do as a champion. Um, and why not? Julia Hart's awesome. She's a mixture of spooky and sex appeal and um, everything good about women's wrestling. She's good in the ring. Um, she doesn't have to cut a promo. Her, she's just kind of spooky in and of itself. Um, but anyway, Julia Hart's your new TBH champion. Um, let's move forward now to the Texas death match. This, in my opinion, Adam Hangman Page and, and Swerve Strickland, and I, I said this coming into the, you know, in my preview of the, of the show, my brief preview I did on my last episode, I said that I thought this was going to be the match of the night, and I think long term it was the match of the night. This match, again, We've seen Texas death matches before. We've seen Hangman Page do Texas death matches before. But they did it in a way that it was different than every other Texas death match or, or you know, whatever death match you want to call it. It was different. Um, uh, Swerve Strickland comes out to a bunch of dancers um, doing the Prince Nada dance to his theme song. That was great. Got a couple laughs in the room that I was in. Um, and then Hangman doesn't get an entrance. He kind of just interferes with uh, Swerve, sets the energy level high. And it was, this was a high energy match the whole way. Um, and almost instantly, Swerve Strickland starts gushing blood like it was just an enormous amount of blood loss from Swerve Strickland early on in this match um a couple production notes in this match and this was something caught by one of my buddies is Hangman goes to the corner he takes a hit move from um Swerve and he goes to Blade or to use a blood pack or whatever and the production they have been a little sloppy sometimes when when the wrestlers go to Blade or to use the, the blood packs um, with catching them actually doing it on camera. And I just wish that the production team would take a little bit of time to realize, like, let's cut away. Let's cut away. Let's go to a different shot. Let's go to the opponent. Let's do something there to make so that we're not seeing them blade. We're not, you know, let's keep kayfabe alive. We know they blade, but let's not actually see it on camera, especially at a pay-per-view. I know once or twice it's kind of inevitable you're going to catch someone blading, but it seems like it happens quite a lot in AEW. And then, you know, it kind of takes away from the product a little bit. That's just a slight production note. Otherwise, the match itself phenomenal it it lasted a lot longer than i thought it would and again my match of the night and swerve strickland gets the dub i thought hangman would win this match um i think who either of these gentlemen can be future AEW champions down the line 
Um, and we got a Swerve Strickland win. And I don't know if we get the Swerve versus Hangman 3 or or what happens, but great match. Um, and I hate it for the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho because they have to... Um, they have to follow with what I think is the match of the night. And it felt like their match was just flat. And I, and I think it's because of where it was on the card. And I've heard this said before. I think it was Ibu who said this. I'm not 100% sure if it was him or not. But AEW sometimes, their biggest problem with their pay-per-views is not the matches themselves... But the placement of the matches and the and the card, this Young Bucks match should not have been co-main event. It felt flat. You get the energy spent by the crowd following the Texas Death Match. It kind of felt like this match was flat. Um, and a lot of the, I think we talked. My buddies talked a lot about football during this match. Like we watched the match, but it wasn't like. It kind of felt like it was in the background. And at one point I remember asking, like, does anybody else feel like this match is just kind of boring? And that's weird for me to say in a Kenny Omega match because I love Kenny Omega. I love the Young Bucks. And hell, I love Chris Jericho. But the match just kind of seemed flat because a lot of our energy was spent during this Texas death match. And for once, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega felt like a piss break match. Um... But regardless, Omega and Jericho win, and this is a shock to me. The ending there shocked me because I thought the Young Bucks would certainly get the W. Um, they don't. We get a uh, we got new, basically new number one contenders for the AEW Championship, which it seems inevitable that Jericho and Omega go after Big Bill and um, Ricky Starks here pretty soon. I don't know what this means. Because it seems like Starks and Big Bill only are on collision. Maybe we start seeing them on Dynamite a little bit more. I don't I don't know. And before we talk about the main event, the Continental Classic matches uh, start this Wednesday. Eddie Kingston throws his name in there and basically says he's throwing his um, champ ROH Championship, I believe it was. ROH World Championship on the line every match that he fights in the Continental Classic. And at the end of the tournament... Um, you basically become a triple crown champion because you're going to win. I think, actually, I think Eddie said he's putting both of his titles, the never open weight and the ROH title. And then the winner of the match wins the continental title that is awarded to the winner of the tournament. So you'd become a triple crown champion. Um, and so Eddie Kingston threw his name in the, in the feud. I think we have three people that, um, have entered Andrade, Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston, and I guess we'll see the rest of the bracket Wednesday when the matches start. Um, we'll talk about the main event, and then we'll talk about the the new AEW signing here, and then we'll end this real quick. I don't want to take that much time. Uh, Adam Cole comes out. Bang Bang Gang comes out. Minus Juice Robinson. If we remember back on Rampage, uh, Juice Robinson took a TV to the face. And so he's going to be out of action for some time, at least in kayfabe. Um, and so Adam Cole comes out. We got uh, Jay White and the Guns 
And then the ambulance comes. That MJF apparently stole an ambulance entering the arena. He's going to actually fight Jay White for the match. The match was pretty solid. And MJF was selling the injury really well. And then so, obviously, he wasn't able, you know, because he's selling this injury, he can't do some of the moves that you expect out of him. Um, I'm not a big fan of this bait-and-switch type of thing at the beginning of the show. Ends up Adam Cole doesn't really do anything in the match, so he had really no point in it. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But at the end of the day, MJF battles through the odds, retains the belt, and then nothing. And so I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here for a minute. No devil, no anything. We just end it. It's just like they didn't try to progress that storyline at all. There's no mention, no glimpse, no two-second viewing of the devil mask or who's behind the devil mask or any of that it's like it didn't even exist for the show and it it, it kind of drowned out what was a pretty decent match because we all kind of were expecting the devil i question the calling there i think that would have been a perfect time to introduce the devil character um and had him attack max or or something it, it almost feels like and and Tell me if I'm wrong or not. Tell me when I'm telling lies. But it, it almost feels like Tony Khan and MJF are still working out maybe a contract deal. Maybe they haven't signed out a long-term contract yet. And so we have... They don't want to... Um, they don't want to introduce this devil character too early and then have Max leave and then it, it be for really nothing. But also at the same time, we have Samoa Joe and Wardlow and Omega and all these people wanting to fight Max, wanting to go for the AEW belt. Maybe for a good purpose, because maybe Maxwell hasn't resigned and they're not comfortable going in one certain direction, so they want to keep their options open. I certainly respect that idea. But to not even show the devil after the fact that they brought it up several times during Collision and during Rampage last night, kind of... A little disappointing, to be honest. Kind of, especially for the magnitude of the storyline that it is. It really was kind of disappointing to me. So let's just end this real quick, talking about who this big signing was. I think everybody kind of figured out who it was. I talked about it on the last episode of the podcast. It was Will Ospreay. And Will Ospreay says when he signs his contract that he has to finish his New Japan contract. His contract ends in February. Um... But once he's done with New Japan, he's coming to AEW and he's going to prove why he puts the he uh recom why he is the definition of the E in AEW that he is all elite that he is the elite one. He's looking forward to All In in 2024 in August in Wembley Stadium. I'm not surprised, but I wished it was something bigger. I love Will Ospreay. But we've seen Will Ospreay in AEW before. This could have been something that he finishes up Wrestle Kingdom in January, moving on to his final couple of month, weeks in uh, New Japan, and he announces that he's signing with AEW. We could have had a bigger signing here, I think. Someone bigger. And obviously, I think as we get closer to the end of these 90-day runs from some of these WWE guys who just got cut, 
We're going to see more people come into AEW. Um, this felt like something that could have been announced differently. And it's hard to take Tony Khan at his word now that his announcements, that his big announcements are big anymore when the last few haven't really been up to par, in my opinion. Um, yeah, we got Will Ospreay. He's all elite. Another one that WWE doesn't get to take. Um, I think he's going to do good things. I think he's the one that should take the belt off of Max. But if Max is gone in January, then he won't even get a shot to fight Max. Um, I think Max eventually resigns. He, I don't think he drops the belt for several more months. But I guess we shall see. I want to see where this devil character goes. I'm, again, I'm disappointed that we don't get any glimpse of the devil in this uh, this pay-per-view. Overall, if I had to give it a ranking on a, a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it an 8.5. It's like a B-plus in my opinion. Wasn't the best pay-per-view they've had this year. Um, but it certainly wasn't like a terrible pay-per-view. The matches were still good. If you didn't watch it, I still would recommend you watched it. I just have some slight um, booking decisions that I disagree with. Um, maybe some placement on the card issues that I have a problem with. And then the biggest problem I had was that we didn't get to see the devil. Maybe we'll see it at World's End. I don't know. But with that being said, that was just kind of my off-the-cuff review of AEW Full Gear. It was still a good show. B-plus in my opinion at 8.5 out of 10. I'll, I'll talk to you next time. It's Junkyard James. We out. This is the Junkyard.